I was standing over there during the last song, just like I do every Monday, just looking out, and I am so truly humbled by all of you being here. It, it is so humbling um, knowing what God is doing here. You know, when I look at myself, I, I think back to somebody that was a, a junkie living in his car that nobody really really cared about other than my family. You know, I know they prayed for me. I didn't think anything would ever happen. I never thought that God would redeem my life. But when I stand there and look out, I'm just in absolute amazement and awe of what God has done. As I'm looking and hearing the stories about, you know, uh, Molly, first of all, I want to apologize that Vanessa said you were waddling. She did, she did fail her sensitivity training at Second Chance, so that kind of explains it. But Molly, I remember the, uh, months ago we had a talk where court didn't go so well. And, I, I, you know, and, you know, like everybody else, my job is, you know, not only my job but my duty, but it's my desire to encourage you to not give up, to keep your head up, to keep plugging away. And thank goodness you did. And I was so happy to see you tonight and so happy to hear the report that, you know, we all like a guarantee, don't we? All right, I'm going to give you guys a guarantee. And this is a Mark Zim guarantee, okay? And I learned this from Mark. Mark was a bridge resident for one year and then a house manager for six years. Um, and Mark liked to call everybody dudes, right? Did, you didn't have a name for the first six months. You were just dude. You know, you know, you're the skinny dude or the big dude or, you know, that dude or this dude. Um, but he would say, hey, you, 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 you over there, dude, let me tell you this. If you do what we do and you follow the instruction of those that God has put in your life, I will give you a 100% guarantee that your life will dramatically change. And so I just want to reiterate that and remind you in this room tonight, if you have doubt, if you have wonder, that I can confidently give you that 100% guarantee because I have seen it far too many times to not know that it's true. And I think we all like guarantees, right? I mean, I, I, I would like to say, well, I wish somebody would have told me a long time ago if I would go to church, my life would change, but they did. <laughs> because I didn't do my part, right? So if your life is not changing or you're not getting the results that you want, look at yourself and say, am I doing my part, right? Because as I was looking around, I was seeing so many people that, you know, she's trying to get her kids back or he's trying to get a good job or this person's trying to restore their family. There's so many stories within this room tonight where God is in the process of restoration. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we are in Romans 5, 18 through 21. So I am going to read the text, and then we will, we will go back through it. I really, I really like the reason we broke this text up, or I broke this text. I say we because Tommy and I talked about it quite a bit. Is it kind of repeats itself like over and over and over, and it says, it says the same thing over and over and over. It was almost like, you know, 
you know, Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. You know, how many peppers did Peter Piper pick? You know, it was like a tongue twister, and I said, I just feel so repetitive. But you know what? Sometimes we need to hear it over and over and over and over and over again, right? Until we get it. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right, so verse 17, it says, for the sin, and you'll, you'll, you'll hear this, and you'll say, yeah, he's been saying it for three weeks, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness, for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin. See, here we go again. Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Hallelujah. Verse 19, because one person, here we go again, disobeyed God and became many became sinners, but one person obeyed God, and many will be made righteous. Amen? Amen? So, even in that text, you know, three times. You know, even as a parent, how many times do I have to tell you? Right? Well, obviously, in this particular text, it was over and over and over again. And the title of the message tonight is One. So, I was sitting at my desk today thinking about that. And I like old music, so I, re I remember this old song by Three Dog Night. And I think you're going to play a little piece of it. One is the loneliest number that you'll ever do. So if you think about it, for us, one is the lowliest number, because I want you to think about this. It was one hit, one sip, one toke, one shot, one drink, right? It was that one thing that we wanted to do that pushed everybody away from us that made us what? Alone. That's how you end up in your van living in the parking lot of a church. That's how you find yourself living in a tent in Chinatown. That's how you find yourself living in Veterans Park or living on the beach, right? It's those one, it's that one thing. It's no big deal. It's just one. Well, I've been teaching for three weeks that it was one mistake that caused many to sin, caused many to die. Now let's flip the coin over, but it says it was one that brought grace right? And that one person we know is Jesus Christ. That's why we come here to learn about who this person is and what's in it for me. What's in it for me, right? If I stop, if I stop doing all the things that I want to do, you know the thing that made me the maddest when Michelle told me she became a Christian? It's like, first of all, I told her I was in charge, not some invisible guy, and I broke some furniture. Um, I was mad. 
you know. God's not in charge. I'm in charge. But what was I mad about? I was mad about because this guy that I didn't, didn't know, couldn't see, now my life had to change. I, I can't drink anymore. What, you don't want to drink anymore? You know, I had amassed, like, the largest porn collection, you know, and I'm, I'm being serious. I'm being, I, I can only be honest here with you, right? It's like I had so many adult DVDs that when we lived in Northern California, when I was a paramedic, someone would say, hey, I need new movies. I would fill up a grocery bag and bring them and exchange them for the old grocery bag. I was like, I was like uh, blockbusters for adult films out of my closet. And I was like, so what? <laughs> Struck a nerve there. So it was like, so what am I going to, so I have, why, why do I have to give this up? What's wrong with one drink? What's wrong with one, what's wrong with just one movie? All right, what's wrong with that? It, exactly, it leads to two and three and four, and then pretty soon, once again, I'm by myself. I am on the outskirts looking in. The loneliest day of my life and the biggest, one of the biggest regrets of my entire life, and this may sound funny, but I've shared it many times, is six weeks until I graduated high school. I, you got to understand, I was an athlete during high school. I was, I was like undefeated for many years. So I had, I had many friends, but I had become emancipated a couple years earlier, and which meant I had to go to school full-time. I had to work full-time. I had to maintain my own apartment, buy my own food. You know, what I got, you know, you know, all that, when you move out, all that stuff is not free. You know, all of a sudden you discover you have to buy, I have to buy salt and pepper and toilet paper and napkins and ketchup and mustard and mayo. And I have to pay for the privilege to keep it cold in my refrigerator. And, you know, um, but six weeks before I graduated, I walked away from high school. I just jumped in my car, headed to, headed to my dad's house, the place I wanted to be, the least place I wanted to be in the world, but I was so desperate, that's where I went. Um, but I did come back and sit on the other side of the fence in my car, weeping, watching my class graduate. And as I wrote in my book that there was not even a pause where my name would have been. You know, it's like it just, and it was a regret. But it was that one choice that I made that had consequences. Just like it was the decision to sit down at the kitchen table and let my dad shoot me up for the first time. You know, I had a choice. I mean, I could have said no. I didn't feel like that I could at the time, but I'm really, looking back, that's just blaming somebody else. You know, there had to be something in me that allowed that, whether it was the desire to have his affection in my life or what, but I, you know, it was a decision that I made. Um, and so I can't blame him completely, though it would be easier, but it was that one, that one hit of heroin, you know? It was, you know, the first robbery, the second robbery, the third robbery, you know, the fourth residential burglary, the fifth residential burglary. You guys all know what I'm talking about, right? Right? We've all done it, most of us, a lot of us. Um, but it's just that one thing that we do that affects everything that we have going on in our life. But I want you to think about how coming to church just that one time can change your life. It's that somebody says hi to you and doesn't want something from you, and that feels kind of good. 
Like, hey, it wasn't so bad. Somebody invited me to their recovery meeting. The music was rocking. Amen. All by myself. Um, but I had s'mores and I had cake and popcorn. I mean, really, when you come in, the love that you feel from the people serving coffee, from the love you feel, you know, people helping you and asking you, you know, childcare. I mean, it's love. And we are not used to that unearned, unmerited. We feel like we have to, like, earn it. Like, let me do something, you know, because then we feel justified in someone being nice to us. But we're not used to that. We're used to, like, what's your angle? What's in it for you? Why are you being nice to me? You know, but then you start realizing these people, like uh, Larry, raise your hand over there. This is my new friend, Larry. I want you guys to meet him. All right. You know how exciting I get when someone calls me and says, I just want to hang out with you because I love, I'm one of you guys. Yeah! Come on now! Yes! I don't like when, when you're sitting on an airplane and someone elbows you and goes, hey, I'm a friend of Bill W. Okay. Right? I mean, no. I want to know who you are. I want to know your last name. Don't give me an initial. Sit down with me. Talk to me. Tell me your story. You know, and we, we shared lunch together, and boy, he's got some stories. He is one of us. But when somebody says, I just want to sit down and talk to you because I want to, I want to go over to the bridge. Can I go to the bridge and have dinner with the guys? Can I go over to the second phase house and have dinner with the guys? Can I come and help on Mondays? Heck yeah. To me, that is what the body of Christ is about. You know, it's reaching out to that one person, making that one phone call, offering that one bit of kindness, that one dinner, that one walk, that one talk on the beach that changes the trajectory of an addict's life. It's like, who is this dude, right? Doesn't he got something better to do than come over to my house and walk with me and tell me that Jesus loves me and share his story with me? I'm, oh, I'm sure he does. I'm sure, we, I'm sure a lot of us have things that we could say are more pressing in our world, but when you start to follow Christ, he impresses on your heart to give it away, right? Give it away, give it away, give it away, right? Yeah? Right? Right? Yeah, I know that's not what the song is about, but hey, let's take it. Let's steal it. Right? Right? So let's give it away, give it away, give it away, give it away. Right? Give away that kindness. Give away that love. Give away that hello. How you doing? Welcome. It's good to see you. We missed you. It's not about judgment. You know, that's God's job. And I love that I know what my job is. I love that I know what God's job is. I don't have to judge anybody. And I don't want to judge anybody. I want to love on everybody, right? I want to say, it's good to see you. Miss you, you know? Welcome. Yes, yes, we want help, right? If you look around, what I would say this is, this is a good start, right? This is a really good start. Because you guys have to understand each one of you people, 
affect between 60 and 100 people. Think about it. Coworkers, families, friends, people at 7-Eleven. You, you know what I'm saying? But as you go and start to infect them with the person that you are, you know, I see people from Second Chance, they, they, man, they're inviting customers, right? Man, you look rough. You should come to Regen. <laughs> hey, hey, wait a minute. Just because I shop at a Second Chance doesn't mean I'm rough. But, but it's their, their heart. You know, I, I have seen people from Randy's Sandwich Shop, from 7-Eleven, from you know, Community Corner, just people because people are saying, hey, come to this thing. It's kind of doing something for me. But if you look around and see the people that are in this room and know that we all affect that many people, and if we affect some of them and they affect some of them and they, right? See what it does? It's a ripple effect, right? And then pretty soon, we could affect more, you know, if we look at these people in the room, and also this, this meeting can get up to like between two and 600 views a week online, Right, it's on. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I'm not. Somebody. I just found out the other day. I have a podcast. I mean, I guess I've had it for a couple of years. I didn't know that. Um, um, Dan, you know, I was sitting there, and Dan goes, "Do you know you have a podcast?" I go, "I do." Where's that? He goes, "I don't know wherever you get your podcast." I guess. So I had to call our guy, our tech guy, and say, "Hey, I have a podcast." Oh yeah, have you had a podcast for a really long time? Um, okay, I didn't know that. Um, but when we have to figure when there's 100 plus people in this room and then up to, you know, a three, four, five, six hundred people watching a week, that goes out, it goes out, it goes out, and it goes out. You know, the only thing we're trying to gain here is people to get sobriety, regain control of their life, get their family back in their life, get a job, take care of yourself, take care of your family. Yeah, go out and buy your salt and pepper and mustard and mayo and ketchup and toilet paper and all that. Like, wow, it's crazy. I have to pay for all this stuff. You know, when you're a kid, you think it just appears in the cupboard, right? You know, when I was emancipated, I moved into, I found some roommates in the newspaper, right? Back when you had to get a newspaper and look at the classified ads. So I moved in with this guy I didn't know, never met in my life. He was a bodybuilder. All he did was lift weights and rub Vaseline on himself. <laughs> Right, and have me take pictures of him so he could, right? It, was, it wasn't weird like that. He was trying to make himself like all shiny looking. And so I would take pictures of him and he would send him to his lady friends. No, it was nothing weird about it, you guys, so don't go there. Um, but I was shocked when I walked into that apartment, I'm like, and I'm looking in the refrigerator, I'm like, it's empty. The cupboards are empty. Oh, I just went to the bath. There's no toilet paper. Right? It's reality sets in that we have to start taking care of ourselves. So it starts with that one good decision. That decision to, I, I'm gonna, maybe I'm going to try that church, or I'm going to go to that meeting, or I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to listen to that lady the next time she tells me or corrects me or... I'm going to take somebody's advice. I want to guarantee, right? I do, right? When I buy something, I want to know. I read the reviews, and, you know, people say, oh, it's a piece of junk. It falls apart the first time you use it. It's no good. I'm like, no, next. You know, I want something that people say, 
you know, like when you look at something, there's like 7,000 good reviews, right? I'm more apt to go with that. You know, I, and I've shared this. I used to come to church on Sundays when I was a non-believer, and I would look around the room and say, I know that guy's a dentist, that guy's an oral surgeon, that guy's a cardiac surgeon, that guy's an oncologist, that guy's a podiatrist, that, that lady's a psychologist. And I'm like, these people are relatively intelligent people. I'm a strung-out junkie that just got fired living in his car. So why do I think I know that this is BS, and they all believe it. One of us is wrong, right? So after a while, you start to realize, maybe, just maybe, maybe, I'll give it a maybe, I might, just, just maybe might be the one that's not correct. See, I don't want to say wrong, right, because none of us want to be wrong, you know? You know how to get there. You don't need Google, you don't need Google directions. You don't need a map, right? I'm a man. I know where I'm going. I can get anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, pull over and get a map. Just next exit. But it's the one, the one hit, the one sip, the one toke, the one snort, the one drink that got you here tonight, right? It's, it's, it's being in jail being in prison, losing your family, losing your children, losing your relationships, losing everything, right? The last time I stood at this pulpit was on Wednesday, doing a funeral for somebody that used to sit right in that area right there, 31 years old, 30 years old, would have been 31 the day if he would have lived one more day. And I've had these conversations with him. But it was that one, that one more, what's one more going to hurt? Because you're all invincible. All of you. None of you are going to die ever. You can do stupid stuff in your car. You're not going to get in a wreck because you're the chosen one to live through everything. Right? I'm not going to die. I can get away with it. I can dodge a bullet. I'm a cat. I have nine lives, and I think I have six left. Right? But you're not, and you don't. It's that one bad decision that will end your life. Now, I'm pretty sure you guys would all agree with me, but I would like to see all of you Every single stinking last one of you, even if I don't know you in this room, I would certainly like to see you next week, right? Because if not, I'm happy again to come up here and say some nice things about you, you know? One of my, one of, I like old movies. I love old movies. It was a season of my life when... Uh, the years that I was emancipated, I was going through a lot of like depression in my life, and I just would sit all weekend and watch movies, like old movies. You know, I think you have to watch them on Turner Classic Movies now or something like that. You know, like the old movies. There was a movie called Network that I just loved. And there's a scene where this reporter opens the window and he's screaming out the window at this top of his lungs. He's like, I'm as mad as hell! And I'm not going to take it anymore. 
That's how I feel about what's going on in our community. I'm mad. I'm pissed. I'm, I'm infuriated that people every stinking day are dying and dying and dying. I've done probably 35 or more funerals, right? I, was, I went to see a, a, a bridge guy the other day that's graduated many, many years ago. He's dying of cancer, and I'm going to do his funeral when he finally passes, and that won't be real long. Uh, and I was almost relieved. Someone, I was telling somebody that one of the bridge guys is going to die, and they're, oh, I'm so sorry. What happened? I said, no, I'm, I was like, I almost smiled. It's, it's cancer. You know, isn't that bad when I'm smiling saying, no, it's cancer? Right? Isn't that pathetic? No, he's going to die of cancer. Right? That's how bad it's gotten where I'm happy to hear that someone's dying of something other than fentanyl or heroin or getting killed in some kind of drug deal gone wrong. That's pretty bad and pretty pathetic when you can smile because somebody you know is dying of cancer. Right? It's certainly a more honorable way to go because he, he did. He, he got sober. He got a job. He did, I mean, his, he got his family back. You know? It was funny. I was sharing with him the other day because, you know, um, you know um, he was kind of in and out, and I was sharing with him. Um, I'm like, are you okay? Do you want to pray about anything? Do you want to get anything off your chest? Um, do you feel like you're ready? Because obviously you're in hospice. Do you feel like you're ready to go? You know, because I really want to see you again. And then he kind of put his hands to his mouth and he kind of, kind of nodded out for a minute because he's on a lot of medication. And he kind of chuckled and he goes, you know, I don't have a car, right? I said, no, I'm in, in heaven. He's like, oh, Yeah. I'll see you there. But th that makes me sad that I have to be joyous about somebody dying of cancer. It, that, it, that's too bad. You know, uh, uh, drugs have surpassed COVID. Drugs have surpassed suicide. Drugs have surpassed war. Drugs have surpassed car accidents. So on the war on drugs, drugs won. You know, they, they won the Super Bowl. You know, they took home the trophy. They're ahead. You know, that is, don't just take my word for it. Every time I am with Dr. Grover and Dr. Close and they collect the statistics, that's what they say. You know, I, I had a meeting here in the sanctuary with them and like the federal prosecutor, DEA, and all these big kind of important people with big titles, you know, big placards on their desk and a lot of initials after their name, you know, and that's, you know. And that's the first thing that, that Dr. Grover said. Hey, you guys, I, thanks for coming down here and, and meeting with us here at Calvary Monterey. And, um, but dealing with the war on, uh, war on drugs, the drugs won. So now what are we going to do? And something that we talked about that I thought was really important is we talked about the stigma that addiction puts on a person. That it's stigma that keeps us away that it's stigma that causes us shame. There is no stigma here. There is none, right? There is no stigma here. There is no judgment here. You know, I remember the very first time I went to an AA meeting, and I'm not bashing AA, 
And I was, I was truly, I asked my counselor from the recovery center, I said, hey, how do I introduce myself? He said, well, this is an AA meeting, so you shouldn't say, hi, my name is Mike, I'm a heroin addict. You should say, hey, my, my name is Mike, and I'm an alcoholic, All right? So I, I listened to what everybody tells me, and it came around to my name, my time, and I said, hi, my name is Mike, and I'm a heroin addict, <laughs> right? So people let me know on the smoke break that there were meetings for you kind of people. This was kind of the other end, you know, just the drinkers, the, the bad drug addicts, they go to the NA meeting, right? And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go wherever I want to go. I'm going to say whatever I want to say because I'm here because I want to get better, right? There is no anonymity, you know? I wasn't going to do that. Hi, I'm Mike C., and I live in the area. If you ever need help, call me, you know? But I'm not going to tell you how to get all of me. You know, I got a call at 5:40 this morning from Maryland from somebody whose sister was in crisis, that was drinking and saying, "I please somebody help me. I don't want to die." Right. So if there's anonymity, those calls are out. You can't help those people. You can't reach that person. You can't help to restore that family. So. So I'm going to wind this up, but I'm going to give you the ultimate thing where y'all should have saw this one coming. It starts with one person, and that one person is you. It starts with you. You have to make the decision that I'm not going to make those decisions anymore, that I'm not going to do that anymore. You need to make the decision to make a change in your life, and you need to be willing to listen you know, why did God, let me give you an, an anatomy lesson, why did God give you one mouth and two ears? Because we're supposed to listen more than we talk, right? I know that might be a surprise, so that's anatomy 101. Next week, we'll talk about another, you know, another bodily function or something. But for this week, we're supposed to listen more than we talk. So if somebody is going to take the time in love to say, hey, Listen, I want to I I help you. I want to share this with you. You need to be the person that says, boom, zip it. You know, Michelle does it all the time. Zip it. Stop. Shut up. She used to do that to me all the time. I used to like, ooh. About to punch you, right? But this starts with one person, you. And then it, then, it, then it goes from there. It's you, and then it's the relationship between you and Christ. Right? It's that union or that bond you have in that relationship, and then you want to. I want to I stop and help this person. I want to go talk. I want to, hey, I'm going to call, because I, I want to go help people. I want to go talk to somebody at a school, or I want to go share with a family, or I want to go talk to somebody that's struggling, or I'm going to go do this, or I'm going to go do that. Or I'm going to come and do childcare on Monday nights. Or I'm going to come and make coffee or light the fire pits or whatever. It's about helping others through what you've already been through. And because the struggle is real, you know. I, I much more enjoy doing an exhortation than a funeral. 
right? I don't, I, I've told so many people I don't want to do your funeral and then done their funeral. I've sat across from so many people and said, I'm, you're going to die. You are going to die. You are going to die. And they die. You're, oh no, I got a plan. I got a plan. You know, I, I, I begged a gentleman not to leave the bridge one day. I begged and begged. Michelle begged and everybody begged and we kept driving to the house and we kept begging and we kept begging and we kept begging and, you know, he got 37 years to life. And he, he was leaving to go be with his child. So can I, is he with his child? No, he's not with his child. In fact, the mother lost all the children. I saw her in county jail and she wouldn't even look at me. This man left to go help you with the children. Now he's spending life in prison where he should be because he murdered somebody. But, but you lost all the kids anyway. So it was just kind of a big exercise in futility. So listen up. Make that one right decision and decide to live. Amen?